Good morning. <laughs> Pushing toward afternoon. Good morning. God is so good. Amen. So faithful. Tanya and Dave, congratulations. Your life just changed. God is so faithful. I mean, he just meets us. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about them. I was thinking that that was not what they were expecting when they walked in a few weeks ago to visit. You just don't know what God has in store. And I'm telling you that because that's kind of what's about to happen. <laughs> you never really know quite what God has in store. But you know what? what you know what we know? It's good. It's good. Whatever he has for us, that's what we want. Amen. Uh, I did want to ask one question before we stand up to read the scripture. Who are you mad at? Don't point. (laughs) Wives, don't nudge your husband. Who did you come in frustrated about? What you been carrying? What's some long-standing stuff that maybe you know God's ready to deal with? Because he's going to take us somewhere today. He's all about completing a work that he began in our life. Amen. So we're going to get into the word and we're going to find out how to forgive as we have been forgiven. Would you stand with me and let's read the word. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And now the second part. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Oh God, I'm so glad that love never fails. I am so grateful that your love keeps no record of our wrongs. I'm so grateful for what you have done in my life, God. And I'm so grateful for what you've done in the lives of your people. God, we just want to lean into you this morning. We want to come under your word because we know that that's where our freedom lies. We know if we can align ourselves with your truth, God, you can absolutely set us free. So, Father, we've purposed to follow after you this morning. We give you our time and our attention. Father, I pray that everything is that is of me would just fall to the ground and be forgotten. But everything that is of you that aligns with your word, Father, would stand and produce fruit in the lives of your people. And they all said, amen, 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 amen. Um, we're going to talk about forgiveness this morning. And when the Lord began to take me down this particular pathway for healing in some areas of my life, um, 
he spoke to me a little visually and he shared something, allowed me to write something. It was actually a confrontation from the Holy Spirit was what it was. I call it a poem and uh, what it was was a rebuke, but it sounds prettier when you say it was a poem. So this was him grabbing my heart. He said, you carry a wounded heart in your hand. You've done it now for years. From time to time, you take it out and you mourn and you shed your tears. What should have healed so long ago lays fresh and bleeding still. For you refuse to lay it down, though often you say you will. You're bound tight by cords of bitterness. The pain's a living thing. It consumes your days and directs your ways. Like talons in your mind, it clings. Flashes from your past, they play, and and you long so to be free. But child, you cannot do alone what must be done by me. See, only I can cleanse your mind and heal the scars you hide. It's time to lay it at my feet and forget everything that you've tried. Complete and whole is my plan for you. No ties to the wounds of the past. Cease your ups and downs, walk stable and sure, because child, my healing lasts. But there's just one thing I will need from you. And yes, I'm sure you know, if I am to take that pain away, you must first choose to let it go. And that's what God is calling us to this morning, is to let go of that thing that has held on to you. Amen? Scripture tells us that there are three, three progressions in full forgiveness. If you go back into the Hebrew and you begin to study uh, what forgiveness means, there are three levels to that. Now, why is that important? It's important because this scripture that we just read says that we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Amen. It says, in the same manner that you have been forgiven, you are now to forgive others. Well, how do you do that if you don't know how you've been forgiven? See, if, if our concept of being forgiven is shallow and weak, then our forgiveness of others will be shallow and weak. But this progression that the Word lays out for us is neither shallow nor weak, and it gets the job done. It takes you from forgiveness all the way to being healed from that place. Say these words with me, will you please? Kefar, Nesa. Selak. Kefar, Nesa, Selak. Now that is not one of Pastor Wayne's African tunes. This is the progression of the words. This is how God heals. This is are the stages of your healing through forgiveness. The very first thing that we said was Kefar. And this is where this is what we do with most of our forgiveness. This is how we receive our forgiveness, and this is how we often dispense it. Kafar is atonement. Um, it is to it's a pitch. It, there's a lot of things you can say about it, but it's the being washed over. It's being cleansed from your sin. The picture of this, the best picture I can think of, is my my oh, this picture. We worked this out beforehand. <laughs> I'm sorry, I repent. 
<laughs> oh, that it would be so. <laughs> uh, that's the picture, though. That's perfect because, like, Hal mowed the grass, and our three-year-old, not note to self, do not mow the grass and then allow your children to play in water in it. Everything they touch will stick to them. And so Bo goes running out across the wet grass and water hoses are spraying and everything and Bo face plants. And he stands up and he is green. <laughs> Head to toe. You can barely see the whites of his eyes. And he's coming walking toward me like this, like, where are you, Nana? And so we take the hose and we hold it at his head and we begin to wash it away. And you can see him. All of the garbage, all of the junk, all of the stuff just washes away. That's kafar. That is forgiveness. This is the point in time in forgiveness. These are, actually, this is the part that we like. This is the part that we can stand in the altar and just the goodness of the Lord wash over us. We confess our sins, and, and he just begins to wash us clean. It is the most wonderful feeling. It's like the first time many of us have felt clean in years in those moments of confession. And it's wonderful, and it's good. And what happens in that moment is the removal of the penalty for sin. In that step, in that phase, the penalty for sin is removed. And see, that's what a lot of us think that's all we need is the removal of the penalty. And if that were all it was, and that's where we often live, that means we are forgiven like that. And so what we do is we think we've forgiven someone when we no longer make evil eyes at them when they walk past us. And we have stopped wishing all of those bad things on their pets. And like the neighbor who has a dog who barks all the time, but we're not going to talk about that. Or a cat. Why do I have cat prints on my car? I don't have a cat anyway, but I forgive them. And see, that's the level that we often operate in, in our relationship with God. Once the removal of the penalty is gone, we think we are done with that forgiveness phase. And that's how we deal with others. We forgive them. We no longer penalize them for the things that they have done. But see, in God, there is always more. Amen? In God, can you say that with me? There is always more. I love that about him. Why? Because he's going to finish what he has started. And if he has started your forgiveness, he is going to complete it. It might take some time. So that's kafar. That's the washing away. That is the cleansing. That is the removal of the penalty. The very next thing that happens, though, is nesa. And this is the point where... According, when you look at the Old Testament, this is the principle where the sinner is now removed from association with the sin. It is Psalms 103. It is as far as the east is from the west. So far have I removed your transgressions from you. Now think about this. How many of you love to be remembered by your sin? How many would love to walk in a room and go, oh, that's Will. He was the one who did. Or this is Melanie. She's the one who used to be involved in the music business. How many? So was I. <laughs> but God forgave me. And, uh, 
How many of you want to live in that place to where you know that God has forgiven you, but all you see about yourself and all others see about you is your association with that season in your life where all hell broke loose? That season where everything came undone, that season where your testimony crumbled in front of your friends and you did those things that you swore you would never do or you became that person you never thought you could be. And now the enemy wants to associate you with that. He wants to leave that close enough to you for for you to remember. And somehow we have convinced ourselves that it's so holy to be remorseful for sin that God's already forgiven Think about it. I did it for years. It made me more pious if I could just think, oh, I was such a bad person. Everybody knows I was a bad person. But what they need to know is what a good God I serve. What a good God that washed it away. He removed it. He doesn't look at me anymore and remember those things. He looks at me and he sees a son or a daughter of God. He looks at you and he sees you as beautiful, a son or a daughter of God. See, we can't stay associated attached to those places in our life. God wants us free from that. He doesn't, oh, love that, golly. I need an armchair, some hot cocoa, a book. (laughs) He doesn't want us associated with that anymore. Now, sidebar, when God brings people through our doors, one of the things the enemy does is he tells you, you cannot go back to that house because they all know what you did. You can't go back in there because God, all of them are going to know your, your testimony is horrible. They saw what you did on Facebook. It was all over Twitter and Snapchat. There were still images of what you did. You know what? When they walk through that door, there is no association with their sin. They are a son or a daughter of God, and we are going to walk with them from here to healing. Amen? And so that's what they need to encounter. That's the forgiveness that we have. That's the, what God has forgiven us with, and that is the forgiveness that we're to extend to others. Amen? We got to do that. And then the third step, see, it's so hard to move into that step because to do nesa means you have to forgive yourself. And we're really good at forgiving others. And not forgiving ourselves. But see, God forgave us, and we're to follow His example. So to not forgive ourselves, C.S. Lewis said that we set ourselves up as a higher tribunal. If we can't forgive ourselves what God has already forgiven us, then the final step in this progression is you've been washed clean. You've been disassociated from your sin. You're no longer that picture. You're no longer that person. And then the final step is, um, is to be divinely restored into favor. Divinely restored into favor. Think about that for a minute. You're no longer, you're cleansed, you're no longer this, and now you've been restored into favor. The Lord really got me with this one. He got me with this one because I was standing in judgment on another man's servant. 
I had decided to sit as judge and jury on someone's life and I had no business doing that. And, and in all honesty, I didn't realize that I was doing that. I, I, I thought that I had forgiven and been healed, but I hadn't. I had just taken the first step and applied it to this person's life. And that person was my father. And I was sharing in first service, I'm pretty sure that everybody in this room knew I had an issue except for me, you know, because what would happen is every time I would talk about him, what you guys would hear were the hard things. What you guys would hear were his failures. What, you would, what I would share with you, while, while to me they were truths in that moment, they were instances that had happened. Yes, he left us. Yes, we lost everything. Yes, he disappeared. Yes, we were without a home. Yes, all of these things, those were true. But in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't, those were facts. The truth was that there was a son of God, fallen and broken, who was trying to make his way on the planet and walk before his God, who was failing and not getting it right all the time. And see, that's where we make the mistakes sometimes, is we think that their sin is against us. And we think that it's all about us. When it's really all about, y'all are going to go to sleep, aren't you? (laughs) See, this is what happens when white noise Y'all are back in your bedroom, the air conditioner's on, the dog's jumping over your feet. But see, there came a time when that forgiveness needed to be completed in my life. And I knew that God was going to do something because I would share with you, you know, about, you know, him leaving or him doing something and what I would hear in the depth of my spirit was, honor your father honor your father and I would push it back and I would say but, but God you don't know what he did <laughs> think about that God you don't know what he did oh I think he did I'm pretty sure that he did but God you don't know what he did but, but God, God began to work that in my spirit and he said, began to say honor your father honor your father and I'm like okay I don't I don't know what that is, and I would push it aside, and and I thought I was dealing with it by just not talking about him. And so I I did that, but then this thing happened. Um, Melanie Gallioni, her mom, Mary Hudson, passed away a few years ago. And the way that they loved Mary, the way that they loved Mary just blew me away, just the way that they honored her. And the time came, um, some of you have heard this story, but I really felt this is where the Holy Spirit would have me go today, so I'm going to go there. The time came for when she passed, it came time to for her services, for her funeral. And because it was important to her and because of her uh, the pride she took in serving in the military, they buried her with full military honors. And I went to that service, and I was standing in the back of the room. And because of what God was doing in my own life, I was watching them. I was watching Mario and Mel and Maria, Marcella, Michael. I was watching all of them, just the way that they loved her. And there's this flag-draped coffin, and I'm standing in the back. And all I can hear in my spirit was, did they honor him? 
Did they honor him? And I'm standing back there and I'm trying to hold it together. And that question is, did they honor him? Did they honor him because of where we were at that point in our life? I didn't attend my father's service. And so I knew that he was a Marine and that he had served. But standing there in the back of that room, I didn't know if they had honored him. And it was like coming from the depths of me because I needed some healing in that area. And, and so all I could hear was, did they honor him? Did they honor him? And, and I just wanted to get out of that space. And they're playing taps and, and, and they're doing all of these things that are so beautiful. And I just kept thinking, oh God, I hope they did that for my dad. But I didn't know. I didn't know if they did it. And so I run to my car literally ran to my car. As soon as it was over, I ran and I sat down in my car and I put my head on the steering wheel and I'm like, God, I don't know if they honored him. And God, I don't, I didn't even know where he was buried. I didn't even know where he was buried. And so I'm just sobbing and I'm driving home and I'm so sorry if I almost hit any of you on my way home because I was a mess. And, but I'm just, oh, it's, it's just, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me so intensely and I got home and my poor husband just looks at me like, oh my Lord, what happened? And, and, uh, and, I'm, and, and so I'm pouring this out to him and I'm going, honey, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where he's buried. I don't, I don't know if they honored him. What if they didn't? What if they didn't put a flag on his casket? What if they didn't play taps? What, what if? And all of this is in my spirit and I feel like I'm just going to be crushed by the weight of it. And he comforted me and, you know, did what husbands do. And, um, I mean, just was so sweet in that moment and tried to comfort me. But you know what? There wasn't really anything that could comfort me. Because I, I just needed to know. It was just, I just needed to know. And so I prayed it through and life went on and kept pushing it back. And a few months later... Hal and I, our thing is Mondays. Mondays, we're both off from work and, and we would get out and we'd go for drives or we'd go to the lake or we'd go, we'd just get out together. And, and it's a Monday morning and he says, hey, let's just go for a drive. And I get in the car and, you know, I, I wasn't really asking where we were going because I still needed another cup of coffee. And, and so I just figured drive and I'll drink. <laughs> Wait, that sounded bad. <laughs> And so we're driving and driving and we've driven about a little over two hours. And, you know, I know I should have asked, but I'm just oblivious and we're having a good time. And then he pulls off on this road and starts taking these little back roads. And I'm like, about the time I'm going to ask him, what do I need to drive? No, I mean, what are you doing? This sign looms up in front of me and it says military cemetery. And I knew, even though it had been months, I knew exactly what he had done. And the tears just started to pour down my face. And, and in all honesty, I was grabbing for the handle of the truck like, I don't know where I was going, <laughs> but I wasn't going where he was going. <laughs> because I thought, God, I want to go. I want to see this. But God, this is going to hurt. This is, this is going to hurt. And... And so we pull in to this little cemetery 
And as he's going down these little rows, I'm looking up on the hill, there's a soldier in dress blues standing under a tree. It's misty and it's rainy. And he pulls up behind this one headstone. I'm thinking, how cool that they've got somebody here to guard and watch over the graves. And we pull up behind that headstone and how comes around to get me out of the car. That was perfect. Because <laughs> that's how it felt. And we walked to the back, and I didn't want to walk around to the front. And we walked around to the front of the headstone, and there was his name. And I looked down the headstone, and the date of death is the exact date that I'm standing there in front of it. And I've got my face in my hands. And God is doing this work on the inside of me, this completing work, because I knew he wanted me to honor him. And as I'm standing there, this guy on the hill starts playing taps. (laughs) He has a trumpet. I don't know this, but Hal has found this guy. He's found my father's grave. He has called the government. I'm sure we're on a list somewhere. And he has hired or asked the the soldier had driven from Nashville ahead of us to make it there before we got there. And he begins to play taps and, and God is just doing this work in my heart. And I'm thinking about my father who served his country, who fell, who messed up but was the son of God. And and he's playing this taps and this healing is coming. And just when I think I can stand it, just I can stand one more moment and then I turn around and there's this soldier with this flag. And he says, on behalf of the president of the United States and a grateful country, we would like to thank you for your father's service to country and core. And when they did that, when they placed that in my hands, I had never been so proud of my dad. I had never been so proud of him. And in that moment, there was this restoration that took place because I saw him as a son of God rather than a father who had messed up. I was able to watch and I was able to experience God divinely moving him back into a place of favor before him. But before me, because God allowed me to honor him in that. And in that, God completed a healing work in my life. The thing that I didn't even realize was broken. God was all about fixing. And I just wonder today, is there somewhere in your life that God needs to heal, to complete a healing? Is there somebody that you need to release? Will, can I get you up here? Just Will and Michael will be fine. Is there something in you as you're sitting here and I'm sharing this and you're going, I have been mad at them for so long. I have been upset or I have been frustrated and I'm just asking you, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there somebody that you need to let go? And maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the one that you need to forgive. 
But what about if you just take the time today to allow God to bring healing? Can you do, you hold it all? Because see, if, if he holds it all, then he takes all of it. All means all. Whatever you're carrying, whatever the, the weight is, whatever the unforgiveness is, if you can move into that moment and go, you hold it all. If I could have some prayer warriors come forward and everybody, if you would stand with me.